Welcome to the Go Ye Forth podcast, where we hear inspiring stories from returned missionaries of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who have served all across the globe. I am your host, Jason Bringhurst. Hello, everyone. On today's show, I speak with Daniel Ortner, who served in the Russia Novosibirsk Mission from 2010 to 2012. He has an interesting conversion story and has some great insights and experiences from his mission. And in my Missionary Minute, I talk about a transformative experience. So let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Daniel Ortner. It is great to have you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So I I recently read uh, this cool article that was published in the church's young adult weekly magazine titled, Did God Really Care If I Served a Mission? And uh, you wrote that. And and it speaks a little bit about your your background and your decision to serve a mission. But before we get to all that, I'd like to kind of get to know you a little bit more. Can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and where you're from and a little bit about your family? Sure. I was actually born in Israel, in Tel Aviv. Okay. Um, my mom had, uh, was born there and my dad had lived there most of his life. Um, we moved to the U S when I was pretty young, I was three and a half when we moved to Florida and I grew up in Florida, uh, in South Florida. Um, uh, I was I'm, like my, my mom's only child. My, my dad has two, had two, has two daughters from a previous marriage. So I have you know, half sisters of mine that were much older, but we were, we were close growing up, but they were, didn't live with us. And they, I mean, they were in, in Israel and independent mm-hmm. and so we, we saw them only on holidays and such. Um, my family's Jewish. My my mom was very spiritual, but not especially religious. So mm. she was very into the holidays and very into um, traditions and mm-hmm. had a, a strong internal belief in God, but she wasn't very observant. So she didn't care if we ate kosher. She didn't care if we kept the Sabbath, uh, the, the Shabbat, Shabbat strictly. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't, didn't really matter to her. She didn't think God really cared about those kinds of rules in particular or commandments. Um, but she had a very strong belief in God. My dad was, depending on the day when you talk to him, he was either an agnostic or an atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very cynical about God because of the Holocaust. Most of our relatives were killed in the Holocaust. Um, and uh, because of that, he just you know couldn't accept the idea of a loving God that would allow that to happen. So he was very cynical. Uh, he loved to argue, you know, he's kind of loved to do uh, devil's advocacy and argue. So mm-hmm. uh, he sometimes would take a more, even more extreme positions, but generally he was very cynical about God. Although very culturally, you know, Judaism was a big part of his identity and heritage and yeah. who he was, even though he wasn't uh, religiously devout. Interesting. And then you didn't have any siblings in the house that were your age that you grew up with? Yeah, I have two sisters that are um, much older uh, mm-hmm. than me, like 20 years older than me. Um, they live in Israel. Right. So uh, we don't see each other very often, but we, you know, we stay in touch, but we're, we're not, we don't see each other very often. So how did you come in contact with the church? So I was an undergraduate uh, at Brandeis University in the Boston area, hmm. which is, uh, if you know anything about Brandeis, it's uh, not a place one would expect to run into Latter-day Saints. It's a <laughs> 50, you know, 55% Jewish. Um, it's a secular, but Jewish university, or it's a okay non-religiously affiliated, but Jewish university, uh, but it's about 50, you know, 55% Jewish and, um, not very many, not many Latter-day Saints, uh, yeah. there, um, there are a few graduate students that were Latter-day Saints. And there was uh, at least one undergraduate who was one of my really good friends. Um, she was of a Jewish background as well. So she was part Jewish, part, part Latter-day Saints. 
mm-hmm. uh, program of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And she was not active in the church for okay. most of the time I knew her, like the first like you know two years of, of college, she was just not active at all. Mm-hmm. But I got interested partially because of her and her example. And she was just different from people around me in terms of her values. Um, you could tell that even though she it wasn't very observant, she still had you know very strong ideas about family, very strong ideas, uh, didn't drink, uh, was mm-hmm. very focused on kind of being pure and and uh, being charitable and kind and loving. So it was she just stood out to me as someone different than anyone else I was around um, at the time. Mm-hmm. Eventually, she so I had when I was. 18 uh, and my mom uh, when, when I was uh, in, in high school my mom got diagnosed with ovarian cancer um, mm. and she died when I turned eight, just after I turned 18 mm. uh, cancer and so after after that my my faith really uh, you know fell off fell fell I, I became a pretty ardent atheist uh, for a couple of years mm-hmm. um, undergrad and I would debate people of faith and I joined the I, was one of the kind of co-founders of the Brandeis Humanist chapter and would go to debates and cheer on the uh, atheist position and argue with people about why there's no God. <laughs> so, wow. But um, after a couple of years of this, I, I began realizing that I was, I was missing something in my life. Like I mm-hmm. thought I could do become who I wanted to be by myself. And I began seeing the lack, like a lack of God in my life and a lack of faith in my life and uh, began to uh, become open again to learning about God. Uh, and right around this time, my friend, uh, she began going back to church. Uh, and so I was curious about the church. I had only heard about the church uh, from South Park, <laughs> about the <laughs> episode about Mormons. Uh, that, that was about the, all I knew about the church uh, at the time. So I went to uh, Barnes & Noble bookstore and opened up the Mormonism for Dummies and the Complete Idiot's Guide to Mormonism <laughs> and began reading about the the, the church mm. and felt something I like really unexpected. I, I when I was reading about the plan of salvation and the pre-earth life and uh, what happens after we die, I really felt like it answered questions I I think it felt like I'd always known those things to be true and yet had never known them before. As like I was remembering something deep within me, and I I just felt the stirring that I you know I didn't really understand at the time that that was the spirit, but yeah, something really unusual and extraordinary. Um, so after that experience, I began. I went to church with my friend uh, and began meeting the missionaries. And a couple of weeks later, had a really powerful spiritual experience uh, in front of the Boston Temple. Um, hmm. that really changed my life. I mean, b- before that, I, when I first met with the missionaries, I was very much a skeptic. I came with mm-hmm. a list of tough questions about uh, doctrines that I didn't understand, like especially about LGBTQ issues and the mm-hmm. plan of salvation, how it works for uh, different kinds of families. I had a lot of really sharp questions about that. And the missionaries, I think, did a good job of telling me to, you know, defer, you know pushing me to seek God and seek answers for myself. And yeah. uh, so one evening I was talking to a friend who was very hostile to the church. Um, she was a bit of a, she's a bit of a cynic about God. And uh, mm-hmm. she uh, had a bad experience uh, with someone who was a member growing up, or I think uh, one of her good friends couldn't go to the, a wedding because she wasn't a Latter-day Saint. Mm-hmm. At the wedding. And so she was really you know bitter and kind of telling me how terrible it is that they separate families that way. 
And I got a very distinct impression that I needed to go to the grounds of the Boston Temple. I'd never been there before. I didn't, you know, I vaguely knew where it was, but I got in my car. It was like nine o'clock at night on a, on a Friday or Saturday. Um, and got got in my car and drove uh, like twenty minutes away to the to the temple, and there I, I felt the presence of God so powerfully. Um, I knew that He was there and loved me and cared about me, uh, and I felt myself being transformed. I could see who He wanted me to become, and I knew that uh, He wanted me to be a part of His church. That He wanted me to follow Him. Uh, that that experience really changed my life forever. Wow, that is really neat. What what a beautiful experience. So was that the catalyst in for you uh, to get baptized? When I had my con- conversion experience with the temple, I, I knew, or pretty soon afterwards, I think the next weekend we went to a um, award camp out at the Joseph Smith birthplace up in Sharon, Vermont. Oh yeah, be- really beautiful place, and I, the spirit really you know told me strongly there that i want that god wanted me to get baptized um and that you know i think even more importantly that my mother was watching on and proud of what i was doing Mm. that was a big uh big thing for me because when i was a teenager i had uh investigated christianity at at one point as a Mm -hmm. teenager and my mom was devastated by that like she just hated that i was doing that and uh backed away from that uh, at the time because of her. And so feeling the spirit really strongly teach me and tell me that she was proud of me and supportive was a really important uh, step. And so I, I decided to get baptized. I told my my father that I wanted to get baptized. A couple of weeks later, we were in New York City. Uh, we, we went to my uncle's house for the uh, Rosh Hashanah Jewish New Year, just, just to meet up there. And um, I prayed about not having an opportunity to share with my father. And I ultimately told him uh, that I was looking into the church uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he didn't obviously, did, he did not take it well at all, especially when I told him I wanted to get baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, he, this is a complete betrayal of everything that you uh, are and your family and everything you stand for. Um, so he basically threatened me. He said, if you get baptized, I will not want to have contact with you. I will cut you off uh, financially. I will not support you at all. Uh, wow. It was really hard to know what to do. Uh, eventually, like after some back and forth <laughs> for a while, uh, kind of made a deal with him that if I waited uh, until I said the next semester, I was going to study abroad in London. Mm-hmm. And if I waited after that, at the end of that time, basically, or waited six months uh, about you know from that time uh, to get baptized, that he would eventually support it. You know, he he thought it was a a phase that was um, mm-hmm. my friend. Uh, and not something that was sincere. So that was important to him for me to wait. And so I, I actually agreed. And that six months in, in London was really you know, both challenging and transformative for me. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of really powerful experiences, also a lot of challenge, temptations and challenges. It was, it was hard to, to stay f- focused. Uh, but I, I knew that what I knew the experience I had was true. And that gave me the, the strength to, to overcome a lot of challenges to get baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got back to the United States, my father still said, no, you can't get baptized, even though he said something different earlier. And mm-hmm. so I prayed that. And, you know, to me, it was a miracle that he then said, yes, I, I, I agree. You can get baptized. And I will not uh, cut you off. I will not disown you if you get baptized. Wow. But I uh, got baptized the next, uh, next weekend up in Boston, back up in Boston. <laughs> Okay, in Boston. Uh, so, yeah, I was spending the summer in Philadelphia, uh, but I 
knew the people, the missionary, any of the, the church met leaders in Boston. I was, I'd never mm. been to Philadelphia before. So I called up the leaders in Boston and set up a baptismal date in Boston. <laughs> they must've thought I was uh, <laughs> you know, completely out of the blue after not being there for <laughs> 10 months, uh, seven, eight months, uh, yeah. calling, you know, I want to get baptized, but you know, some people knew me. And so it was, you know, they, they vouched, vouched for me that I was, uh, had been, you know, strongly attending the church and I was, yeah getting up every, every fast testimony meeting and testifying <laughs> and, uh, you know, making lots of comments in classes. And, uh, you know, I was, I was very active, uh, the whole time that I was before I was baptized. So they, they, yeah. they knew me, but it was, and the baptism was an amazing experience. Really you know, everything I'd wanted. I felt the cleansing power of the atonement so strongly in my life. And I felt so loved and forgiven and, uh, mm really amazing. And then the gift of the Holy ghost. I think I really noticed the difference, uh, mm-hmm. when I had the companionship of the Holy ghost, it just felt like an intensification. You know, I'd, before I'd had the Holy ghost at times I'd felt this presence, but mm-hmm. having the gift of the Holy ghost just made it a much more a constant, you know, constant companion. Like we say, um, I really felt that difference really strongly after I was confirmed a member of the church. Wonderful. Well, you obviously had uh, been familiar with missionaries. Uh, you had been taught by the missionaries. When did you start thinking about a mission for yourself? You know, I, I, even before I was baptized, when I was in that uh, ten, uh, eight, nine, ten, ten month living period, when I before I was baptized, I was kind of rationalizing myself, like, "Oh, you don't, re- you're not going to need to serve a mission because mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're enjoying the church." I was already um, 21 when I joined the church. I was mm-hmm. older than than average missionary age. I thought well, I know I will have family opposition. I don't need to serve, you know, and I had everything kind of lined up. I was planning to start law school after graduating. I'd gotten accepted that, that, you know, when I got back from the, and the summer that I was baptized that next year, I got ready. I took the LSAT. I got accepted to some, you know, very prestigious schools Mm -hmm. uh, and felt, you know, everything was, it was in order. Like I didn't, and I, so I was trying to rationalize, no, I don't really need to go on a mission. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I felt uh, this tugging from the spirit telling me that I think two things really were stood out to me. One was, you know, before that point in my life, I had gone back and forth from religion to religion. You know, I, I was raised Jewish. I began looking at Christianity. I then was back into Judaism. I became an atheist. Um, I didn't have stability. I didn't have an anchor uh, mm-hmm. rooted in my faith. And I really felt like serving a mission would be um, transformative for yeah. me to be able to anchor my faith and my testimony. So I would not, not go, go away. Um, that was one of the, my motives. And then the other one was the desire to help people feel what I had felt, the joy I'd felt from joining the church that how Mm -hmm. it really given me eternal perspective and just changed my life in so many ways. I wanted to share that with other people. Yeah. Um, You had a front front row view of uh, what, what missions could actually do. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, really the missionaries, you know, didn't play a very big role. I'd say in my conversion compared to others, uh, just mm-hmm. because I, you know, I was investigating for a long time in different right. countries, different cities, different countries. So I didn't have a steady set of missionaries that were like the ones teaching me. It was, you know, on and off, but yeah. uh, I had a lot of members, I had members that were incredible, uh, like really anchored my faith and were, mm-hmm. were there to support me. And, um, I actually helped the missionaries teach a couple times, uh, teach investigators a couple times when I was in London. <laughs> um, cool. So I, I was, you know, I was the missionaries. I, I certainly appreciated what they did. I thought, you know, I kind of had the impression that a lot of them were a little immature uh, mm-hmm. because they were 19 at the time. And the, the 19 or, or 21, it was before the, for the age change, just a little yeah. before the 
right after I got back from my mission was the conference when the age change happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, I, I still felt like for me that it would be a really powerful transformative experience uh, for my life and that I would be able yeah. to do a lot. Of it. Um, I, I, I prayed a lot about it. Um, and it was, it was really agonizing because I knew how my father would react. I knew how my family would react mm-hmm. if I took to serve a mission. Um, so I would go to the temple in Boston and, and in the morning early fasting and just pray to, to God to get re- insight into whether I should go. And uh, felt really strongly that one, one day in particular, close to when I had to make a decision that um, I thought of, I got this, the scripture in my head in the DNC where, where uh, several, I guess there's a couple of sections where people ask, what's the thing I can do that is the most most good uh, for, for the world and for me? And, and the answer to them is uh, go on a mission, uh, mm-hmm. take a mission. And that really spoke to me uh, deeply. Yeah. Um, and then another another scripture that I that really hit me really hard was the story of Peter walking on water um, in the New Testament. I had a, we had a state conference, and the Boston Temple president gave a talk there uh, about that story. And I just felt overcome with the spirit testifying mm-hmm. to me. You know, I had to take that step into the darkness, even though it would be hard and there'd be challenges that it was what God wanted me to do. And so there's, you know, accumulation of a lot of experiences like that, that made me decide to serve a mission. And then there's one more that I mentioned in the article that that you mentioned from the YSA weekly, which was Mm -hmm. after I just, just kind of decided I was going to serve, but I I went to Israel to tell my, my, my father and other family members, but really my father that I wanted to serve a mission. And I was second guessing myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was, I had to submit papers um, to to go to, you know, before the timing was just where I had to submit my papers. Yeah. Uh, I was second guessing myself, and I listened to the April 2010 General Conference. Elder Rasband, who was a presidency of the 70 at the time, talked about the process of selection of missionaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was with, uh, I think, it was with President Iring. Um, greet, and he saw how President Iron greeted the missionaries on the screen personally, and you know, sought revelation from God to know where to send them. Mm-hmm. And I felt that confirmation of that as well. That you know, God had a mission for me. You know, it was personal yeah. for me. He wanted me to to go, and He would prepare the mission, you know, prepare people for me to teach. He would allow me to to bless lives if I went. And so I had a lot of confidence after that experience that you know, God really cared if I served a mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I imagine. I mean, it was a, a huge leap of faith. I mean, you already had gone through the ha- having to get your father on board with you becoming a member, but now having to go and, and say, not only am I a member, I want to go and evangelize this this religion to other people. How did he take that? Yeah, I don't think there's anything I could have done that was uh, more contrary to his his beliefs <laughs> than going yeah. on a mission. I think he saw missionary work as uh, evil. <laughs> I don't no no not even, no like nicer word for it than evil yeah. like he just he thought it was the worst thing I could possibly do mm-hmm. um, and so he was very opposed and then he was also afraid for me because you know he'd when he was growing up he'd uh, deferred admission to school at one point when he he just got married and uh, his he and his first wife not my my mother but his first wife had their she got pregnant and because of that he never got to go back to the school he was planning to go to so he was worried mm-hmm. just that. I would never get to go to law school. Like it would ruin my future as well. Right, so we had yeah. practical concerns, which I, I tried to address. And I think I, you know, I managed to address those concerns, but also the, just the animosity towards missionary work that, uh, you know, he did not, did, I did never, never mm-hmm. uh, overcame that, that. So you decided to move forward and put in your papers and uh, you receive your call. What was that like? 
Yeah, it was, it was really interesting uh, experience. I think so. When I submitted my papers, but before I got my call, was I'd say one of the darkest times in my life spiritually. Just this like powerful darkness mm-hmm. filled my mind, and I felt a lot of regret and a lot of doubt about what I'd done. Mm-hmm. Um, then that went away completely when I opened my mission call. Um, it was a really powerful experience. Um, I was called to the Russia Novosibirsk mission mm-hmm. that had a lot of personal meaning to me, that mission, actually. I, I learned that mm-hmm. I have family member. So my, my parents, my ancestors were Polish, but during the, my grandparents during the second world war had fled Poland and were in Russia in a work camp that I found out was later was in my mission boundaries. Oh, wow. Um, and so there's a personal experience, a personal family history connection to the mission. And also I'd, I'd actually studied Russian for three semesters as an undergrad. Um, and then I also almost studied abroad actually with a program that would have gotten me, uh, in one of the cities in my mission, the first city I served in Irkutsk, uh, that I ended up doing the London study abroad instead that I mentioned earlier, but I was considering Mm -hmm. this, um, Russia study abroad program. Um, and so just all these things together, uh, I think really helped to confirm for me that it was what God wanted. And I'd, I'd always had Russian friends growing up. I loved Russian literature. I, I, I felt like that was just a, a tailor-made call for me. Yeah. What years did you serve? So I left in twenty September 2010 and came back um, in July of 2012. Okay. Did you go to the Provo MTC? Yeah, I did. Um, actually, that, that summer when I got my mission call, I I uh, was doing a summer program in Provo. Um, I Before that, I was working in Boston as a real estate agent, and that was just something I hated. I, I did it to raise money for the mission, but it was not a good, not good. Uh, just a lot of you know, endless hours of work mm-hmm. um, really felt like it was draining me. Uh, and so I decided to apply for the, uh, it was the Neil A. Maxwell Institute, their summer scholars program that Terrell Givens, well, it was first Richard Bushman. And then when I was there, it was Terrell Givens who ran it. So I did, mm-hmm. did that summer before my mission. And so I was already in Provo when I got my oh, call. Um, then I finished up things in Boston and then came back to, to Provo after that. Mm-hmm. How was your MTC experience? It was great. I loved, I really liked the MTC. I had an amazing, a really, I mean, a companion who, you know, we didn't always get along perfectly, but mm-hmm. uh, he and I, um, I really re- came to respect him. And I think he really respected me. Um, he had actually already been uh, in the MTC uh, previously. And then he'd uh, confessed an unrepented sin and went home and then came back to the MTC afterwards. Okay. Um, and I had a lot, just so much respect for him for being willing to do that yeah. Um, and continue to serve. And he was, I think, a really strong missionary. And I really enjoyed uh, serving with him there. I liked the MTC a lot. You know, I mean, there's things that are not ideal about the MTC. You get a bit stir crazy, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of power. You have so many experiences with the spirit and the devotionals are amazing. Um, we had four members of the quorum of the 12 speak to mm-hmm. us while we were there and uh they were all were amazing and uh really powerful and inspiring and it was you know, such a great experience to be there for for them and uh um, that was there during conference and that was just a really you know, powerful conference uh for me because i was very receptive yeah. <laughs> to the spirit um to that for that conference so it was i loved it it was long but yeah. other <laughs> great experience it was i think 10 10 weeks in the mtc it was a very okay. long wow. um 10 or 11 it's one of the harder languages so it's one of the long the long periods of time so i think it's 10 11 weeks something like that so it was a very long time but yeah. it was a lot of powerful experiences when i was there that's awesome now who was your mission president 
I actually had three oh, okay. mission presidents. Uh, one was just, it was an interim president. He was there for a transfer or two. Mm-hmm. So I had president uh, Trejo, uh, president Rolf, who was the interim president. He was the first counselor in the mission presidency. And then when the um, new mission president, who was president uh, Gibbons, uh, he was delayed in getting his visa or something like that mm-hmm. happened. I don't remember the exact details, but he took over for two, I think a transfer or two. So I had three okay. different ones. Really okay, President cool. Gibbons was the one I knew knew the best because it uh-huh. was later my mission. And he was he was an amazing mission president, really inspired. I, I would call him yeah. say he was a, really a visionary man. Um he'd have dreams and revelations and tell us about his experiences. Mm-hmm. Um really inspiring. Where I mean, one of his experiences was before he was called, uh he well, first of all, he learned Russian when he was a missionary in Germany uh, as a youth, and he'd felt uh, right, you know, a couple of years before his call that he needed to relearn Russian. Uh, wow. Not didn't know why, but followed that prompting. And then a couple of months before his call, he had a dream where he where he met with President Nelson and was given his call, uh, and that's exactly what happened. A couple months later, a lot of experiences mm-hmm. like that were just wow. really. Um, had power of a vision, I think both for himself and for the mission, uh, what mm-hmm. it could, um, his dream, I think, which still hasn't happened because of the Russian, uh, you know, crackdowns on religious liberty, I think mm-hmm. was to get a stake, um, in our mission. Um, and so he mm-hmm. did a lot of to try to organize a district, uh, successfully got a district organized that you know, hopefully will someday become a stake, mm-hmm. um, in but so he did a lot of really inspiring work to you know really inspire us to, see a vision for what our work could be in, in Russia. Yeah. Is that where the mission home was? was in? Yeah. Novosibirsk is where the mission home was. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm avoiding trying to say it because I don't know if I can pronounce it correctly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, a nice city. It's a um, college town. Actually, there's a, mm-hmm. it's like a pretty big city. It's like uh, more than a million people between oh, okay. a million, closer to 2 million, I think uh, people there. So a very nice city. Yeah. Uh, I served there last at the very end of my mission, but anyways, uh, all the cities I served in were pretty big cities. The smallest was four to 500,000 people. And the, the biggest mm-hmm. was that one, which was closer to 2 million. So you'd studied Russian a little bit previously and probably learned a little bit about, about the culture, but what, what were your first impressions of, of Russia? I, I mean, I was excited uh, to be there. I, I think, you know, there, there's some things you learn about Russian. I had always had good Russian friends growing up. My, but my best friends, mm-hmm. I think, in elementary school and high school and one of my good friends in college were all Russians and oh, wow. uh, Russian speakers. Uh, and so I, I'd always known, grown up knowing Russians and had a very favorable impression. I think what you, know, you find in Russia is I think two things. One is people tend to be a little more abrupt or standoffish than in the United States. Mm-hmm. But once you get to know Russian, a Russian, Russian, person, a Russian family, and they you know, invite you to their home, they are some of the most dedicated, loyal, loving, compassionate people, I think, anywhere. I mm. love the people I got to know in Russia uh, so much. With them being you know, a little more, I don't know, blunt and standoffish, how, how did you find people to teach? What was your, your method? Really, every method, different way, you know, like a variety. I, you know, I, I looked back after my mission and of the people that we taught that were, were baptized, which, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard mission. It's not, there's not a a, a, an infinite number of people, mm. but number of people that we, we taught, um, they're really every finding method you can think of people that we 
uh, knocked on their doors, people that we met on buses, people that we met in parks, members introduced us. We had an English club that people would come to and we'd meet them there. Uh, we'd meet with less actives and they'd have mm-hmm. uh, people with them. Uh, really every every way I could think about. We had a few referrals of people online requesting the um, Book of Mormon. That was rare, very mm-hmm. rare. Um, and actually, I don't think anyone I taught that came that way got baptized, but I, I met a couple of members who you know, saw, uh, there was at least one member who was a very active youth. He was, you know, in his twenties who joined the church because he saw South Park, the South Park episode about Mormons. And, uh, I I doubt that they thought that that would ever be uh, converting people. No, I I mean, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a terrible episode ultimately as far as it goes about the church. I mean, it it makes the beliefs that our history looks silly, but it makes the people look very good. And so I think people are, attracted to it. And so he was someone who, uh, joined the church after that. So there, you know, the mm-hmm. variety of methods, but, um, most common would be, we did a lot of, uh, contacting on the street, a lot of uh, some tracting mm-hmm. depending on the area. My first area, we did a lot of tracting because we got to the mission area and the previous companionship had one and injured his leg. And so the whole mm-hmm. transfer, they didn't really get to do much. And then they uh-huh. brought me and my compa- companion in and new to the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like, really, we didn't have a lot to do and a lot to teach. Um, and I, but I, I learned that was one of the hard, it was a hard transfer. We would go out early morning, uh, or like right after studies, basically, uh, all day, uh, door to door, uh, talking to people, uh, and didn't have any like miracles from, from that, from yeah. the actual tracting. But I, I realized after that transfer that you know, I had, that transfer had been able to, we been able to show God that we were willing to work hard and willing to listen to the spirit and to try to follow it. And we then afterwards saw some really amazing miracles in that city mm-hmm. where um, the next couple of transfers, there were actually um, two people, two people that were, were baptized that were some of the people I was really closest to my, you know, the investigators that I got really, really close to that were um, yeah. I, one of them was a good friend of one of our uh, recent converts actually. Um, and she wanted to learn more because she saw our kind of example and how we were working mm-hmm. hard. And uh, the, she said, she saw the, the light we had and really wanted to meet and learn more after you know, a couple of years, she hadn't been interested. And then she uh, became interested, I think after being around us and, and getting to know us a little better and seeing our example. So that was, I think a really a memorable lesson for me of the, you know, that, I think sometimes the work we do as missionaries doesn't immediately pay off the way you expect it will, but it, it's not wasted. Oh, for sure. Do you think that the being a, a convert uh, maybe influenced your mission differently than than someone who was just raised in the church? Yeah. Yes, for sure. I mean, I think just being older already had an impact because I was mm-hmm. 20, 22 when I went on my mission or, or almost 22. I turned 22 when I was in my first area, like a couple of weeks after I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that had an impact on me. I think that I, I could talk about my conversion. Uh, and and I think that was really powerful to be able to share the experience I'd had. I mentioned at the temple earlier, the yeah. uh, testimony that I gained. Um, so I think that was something I could, I could really talk to people about um, in a way that could bring the spirit um, and then I, I think I could, I could relate to some members maybe better because they, you know, a lot of them had faced, I don't know better, but differently at least, because a lot of people had faced their own opposition. Um, a lot of Russia, the church has a lot of, uh, single, like, oh, they're not single, uh, married women in the church whose husbands are not members of the church. Okay. There's a lot of un, um, uh, women whose husbands are not members are not interested mm-hmm. in the church and they are really the, the bedrock of the church, especially okay. older 
babushki grandmothers who are Mm -hmm. just like just the rock like the foundation of the of the church um there and so i could i could relate to their opposition to their feelings of you know loneliness of uh, worrying about their family members a lot and so i think i was able to forge some really powerful connections with some of the members that i i interacted with based on that those kind of common experiences so as you were out knocking on doors and, and meeting different people and talking to them about religion, did most of them have some type of a Christian background? So most people in Russia are Russian Orthodox. And it's actually, when I was there, and especially after my mission, the Russian Orthodox Church made a really concerted effort to sell people on the idea that if you're if you're not Russian Orthodox, you're not really a Russian. You know, you mm-hmm. have to be a member of this church to be a true Russian. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who just, you know, just they kind of instinctively say, well, I'm Russian Orthodox. That's what I am. I'm not interested in hearing anymore. I have no mm-hmm. desire anymore. Even though they're they're not you know, not very believing, not very devout, don't go to church, except maybe on Easter and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just, you know, there's just this, if it's not Russian Orthodox, we're not interested. Okay. Interesting. So there's a very strong current of that. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, a mix of some other, you know, some other Protestant churches, uh, Baptists were present in a couple cities, Pentecostals, um, and then some Jewish people, but not, not very many, but uh, especially Novosibirsk had a few, uh, a, a larger Jewish population, but not, not large still, but you know, a, a Jewish population. Um, mm-hmm. And then there are, there are Muslims as well, uh, mostly from Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, the, 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 the steppe countries um, mm-hmm. that were, were there. And so we, we occasionally had people, Muslim people that we, had to, we were teaching that we had to get permission to teach. Um, but, um, and then there were some people that were pagan or um traditional, you know, uh, shamanistic beliefs of various mm-hmm. types. Did, did the church have any type of reputation or was it fairly unknown there? Um, you know, mostly people had, I think thought, uh, so I, I heard this, but I never confirmed it, but that a couple of years before uh, there was a, the, the, or I guess in the nineties, maybe the movie witnesses, which is about the Amish, Oh, yeah. uh, when they translated it, they accidentally called the people the religious group Mormons. Oh, they did the same in France. They, they, yeah, I was on my mission funny. when that happened, actually, and they, they translated it Mormon instead of uh, Amish. There, there are quite a few people who thought we were Amish. Um, there were people who thought we were just a cult or a sect, you know, sect, sectanti is the word in Russian, uh-huh. sect, sect. Um, and then closer to the end of my mission, when Mitt Romney was going to be you know, the presumptive nominee, um, mm-hmm. there was more awareness of Mormons and more anti- oh, okay. Anti-sentiment. There was a, a TV uh, documentary that a lot of people watched, which was really critical of the church when Romney, I think, either when he secured the nomination or was about to. Hmm. Uh, so there was a lot of hostility towards the end, of, more even more towards the end of my mission towards uh, members of the church. Well, what do you think made your mission unique from maybe other missions? I mean, I think you know, I, I really think everyone has a unique experience. Like the people that I met or people that I know, I know God wanted me to meet. Um, there are people that I was able to teach and was able to, you know, be blessed with by the, their influence on my life. That I, I know God put put them in my plate in my path, um, and so I, I'm, you know, I, I don't know that that's unique. I mean, it's unique in that it's different than anyone else's experience. I think everyone yeah. ha- can have that kind of a, a tailored experience for them. Um, so that was the biggest thing for me was just feeling over and over again, that people that we met uh, were people that God had put in my, my place that I, I could help mm-hmm. uh, and interact with. And um, so I, I just had that feeling a lot uh, throughout yeah. my mission because that really stood out to me. So what was the food like in Russia? So 
Russian, so the Russian, Russian, Russian food is pretty, is, is considered pretty bland. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there's uh, influence of Uzbekistani culture and Kazakhstani culture mm. and um, the kind of um, Mongolian influence a little bit as well, especially okay. in the cities in my mission. And so there's some more adventurous uh, types of foods coming from those cultures. Uh, I love bor- borscht is one of my favorite dishes. That's a soup, you know, beet soup. I love a borscht. Um, and then plov, which is a rice pilaf dish uh, that uh, we actually one one day for an FHE activity had a uh, had a kind of investigator. We weren't really allowed to teach him very much, but he was allowed to come to church and, and learn about the church a little bit. He was mm-hmm. from Afghanistan, um, and he uh, t- did an FHE with all the missionaries and the youth in the ward that I was in, teaching us how to make Russian plov, and mm-hmm. uh, that was amazing. Just a uh, yeah, so so incredible, incredibly tasting. <laughs> so that that was great. Awesome. Um, yeah. Then there's some you know some unique dishes that Americans don't tend to like. I, I wasn't a fan of either. Like there's something called chalidets, which is a congealed uh, fat, like pig fat. Mm-hmm. It's like a jello, like a jello fat of a pig, and served on like bread. And I am not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> You're not selling it very well either. It doesn't sound very good. No, I mean, some people really like it. Uh, Russians really like it. Yeah, that is great. What would you say the most challenging thing was about being a missionary? Uh, the most challenging thing, I mean, I think for me, I was, I'd say two things. One was, I mean, there's a lot of opposition and serving a lot of rejection and you have to have a thick skin to overcome that. And I think I was able to do that pretty, pretty well, but it was still, mm-hmm. you know, it's still not I mean, the other thing that for me was was sometimes tough was I'd get emails from my father and other family members, but especially my father, really criticizing me for serving, mm. really going, um, and that was always hard to. Yeah. You know, on P day, we had a limited time to go to like internet cafes and email, and uh, having to respond to some hostile emails from him yeah. was hard. And I was also worried about his health because he'd had some health problems I mean, throughout his life. And so I was re- always really worried about his health. You know, what would happen if he died while I was on my mission? Um, and so that was a overhanging concern for part of my mission, at least. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite part of being a missionary? Just the people we got to teach. I mean, especially people that were, were, we were able to help get bat ready for baptism, but just mm-hmm. the people that we got to know really well um, and, and teach them and see them grow and, uh, watch them, you know, the light of Christ filled them up. Um, a lot of experiences like that yeah. uh, I saw. And so that that was really inspiring for me. Do you have any special experiences that stand out from your mission that you'd like to share? Uh, my first area, I mentioned uh, the person who was a, a best friend of the one of the less uh, the uh, recent converts in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she and I really connected um, really well, like really closely. Um, and she was supposed to get baptized. Uh, and then last minute she canceled, uh, had family opposition come up. Um, so, and so we prayed uh, for about two weeks. We didn't hear from her. She just went off the grid and didn't talk to us. And actually every month and a half, we'd go to Finland for new visas or every, every three months. Sorry, every, oh, wow. every you know, okay. transfer. So we get to go to the temple and pray at the temple and spend some time there. And so I went on my visa trip and, while I was praying for her, and while I was on my mission on the visa trip, she called my companion and said she felt really strongly that she should reach back out, um, and then got ready to get baptized, and that was a really powerful experience. Mm. Um, and then another one that comes to my mind is there's uh, someone we were teaching uh, 
and her she uh, was Baptist by her uh, background, and she'd actually hit it off so well with the members. She went to a uh, youth conference, like an ESY type conference with the, oh, the wow. youth in the city we were in. Uh, really hit it off well with them. But she came back, and uh, we hadn't really done the lesson on the plan of salvation with her yet. We were waiting for waiting a little longer to do that mm-hmm. uh, with her, um, and she was really skeptical at first. And I had a less uh, planning a lesson for to teach her about that was experience where I knew specific words I should say, specific scriptures I should read that mm-hmm. came so clearly to me in that experience. Yeah, and that wasn't. I don't know any. I don't think I ever had an experience quite like that elsewhere. Other times in my mission where I just felt so strongly from the spirit what I should be saying and doing, mm-hmm. uh, like the lesson prep pre-mission pre-lesson not in the lesson but before when planning it it was just this incredible feeling of being led by the spirit to know exactly what to do and to say and so that was one of the most memorable experiences as well that's awesome i love that i guess one one more thing i mentioned is that uh yeah you know i had with with companions and assignments of companions i had a couple of experiences where i felt you know in advance uh prompting about where I might be going or who I might be serving with. Mm-hmm. And that was really powerful, just showing that God was mindful of me. Um, there was one uh, companion who I'd, I'd done a, a splits with him uh, once in my first city, and we did not get along at all. Uh, he mm-hmm. was just a very different personality. He's from the Baltic States, um, mm-hmm. from Latvia, and just a very different personality from me, Very just a completely different personality. Yeah. Um, and it was hard. Uh, hardest, yeah. like, two-day... Uh, tie the splits I've, I've ever had. And I then had a, a very distinct feeling a, a couple of transfers later that I was going to be assigned to serve with him. Um, and I had to go to, I went to the mission president and I went to the Lord and prayed and, and to see, is that what he wanted for me? And I felt very strongly that it was, uh, mm-hmm. and I ended up becoming good friends with him. Like we, we, we had so, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was a hard to transfers, with him, but, uh, and he was dealing with a lot of doubt about the church. And I, I think I was able to have some positive influence on him and he was able to have mm-hmm. some good influence on me. And it was an inspired calling an inspired assignment. Uh, even though you know, everything, every experience I'd had up to that point was telling me, no, this is going to be terrible. It's going to be a doctor. <laughs> um, God knew and orchestrated that. And I think it was really something he wanted for both of us to have that experience. Yeah. I love that. That's great. You spend two years uh, preaching the gospel in a in a very different place, and then you, all of a sudden you find yourself back home. What was that like? It was, I, I think, for me, it was um, not too hard relatively to transition. Mm-hmm. Um, I started law school pretty soon after I got back. Actually, okay. that's why I went back in July rather than September when I left, so I could start law school in in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I really picked up pretty pretty quickly right after that. Um, so I, I didn't find it as hard as, as I've, some other people have had. And I was also able to serve as the ward mission leader right after I got back from my mission in my ward. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and so that was just a really good way to transition yeah. uh, back from the mission. So I, I had a really good experience with that. I didn't have a lot of challenge with it. Um, yeah, I mean, it was hard to keep the habits. Like mm-hmm. It's always hard to keep the scripture study habits and the praying habits that you get on a mission. But I think I was, you know, I was able to to largely do that when I got back back from my mission. Yeah. 
Well, how did your father end up uh, seeing your mission? Did he see it as something that was positive in your life? Uh, I don't know that he ever saw my mission in a positive way, but he, he, you know, I think he saw me. I mean, he, he died when I was, he died in 2016. So four years after I got back from my mission. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in that time, he was able to see me graduate law school. Uh, get married, have my first daughter. Uh, he's able mm-hmm. to meet my my oldest daughter, okay. um, and so that was really powerful. I think he, you know, he saw that uh, it didn't have the negative effect on my life that he was worried about. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. So that was good. And I also, when I was on my mission, I felt uh, inspired to apply to BYU law school. That wasn't where I was planning to go oh, cool. uh, before my mission, yeah. and I felt inspired to apply to BYU for law school, and got in there and got a full scholarship uh, to BYU law, mm-hmm. and so that was also really amazing to have that that opportunity yeah that's fantastic have you been able to keep in contact with uh, the people in russia since the recent conflict with ukraine yeah i do stay in touch with some people i i am not as good as i would i, I wish i was at doing mm-hmm. that I, I but i have the people i've i've stayed in touch with there are a few people that moved to the united states actually so i've okay. in closer contact with them uh, and then other people in russia that I've, I've i stay in touch with occasionally mm-hmm. unfortunately people that I met and taught some of them left the church, which mm-hmm. uh, it's hard, it's hard to see when you're a missionary and you see people you really care about leave the church. Uh, but sure. I still care a lot about them, but it was, that was a challenge for sure. Seeing people you know, leave, leave mm-hmm. or not stay active. I was wondering if uh, they are able to watch general conference. I didn't know what type of restrictions they might have. If, if, yeah. Uh, I mean, when I was there, they did. Uh, I, I don't think that's changed. Um, okay. They, so basically they would watch it a couple, like a week or two later after conference, mm-hmm. they would do a Saturday and Sunday or, or just, or even just a Sunday, depending on the, the ward where they would mm-hmm. all get together and watch conference all day, basically together. Mm-hmm. So they'd like yeah. have a luck and watch conference together, which is really cool. Actually. I really yeah. enjoyed it. How do you think your, your mission has influenced your life since you've come home? It really, in so many ways, I mean, everything I, I thought before I went on a mission, how it would ground me in the gospel um, has, has happened. Um, I'm so much firmer in my testimony as a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote an article last year in Meridian magazine uh-huh. uh, talking about my experience uh, from when I joined the church with my struggles over the church's teachings on the family proclamation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really hard for me. Um, when I joined the church, that was almost a, a deal breaker for me. Like I, mm-hmm. uh, my, the church's views on LGBT issues and um, some other issues, but mostly LGBT issues was so hard for me to, to accept. I saw it as really cruel and, and mm-hmm. just really negative. And I think my, my mission really pre-mission when I went to the temple uh, for the first time to get my, get my endowment, I went and did uh, proxy ceilings. And then my mission uh, really spoke to my soul, uh, a testimony of the doctrines of the family in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to, from the two years of my mission, really put my concerns aside and serve and focus on serving. And the spirit taught me in that time, even though I didn't realize it, like the topic almost never came up in Russia. It never, almost never came up. Uh, it did rarely, but very rarely, but even still, like, even though I wasn't talking about it or teaching about it very often, the spirit was tutoring me. And so I came back and really developed a strong testimony of the family proclamation of mm-hmm. the importance living prophets and apostles um, that I didn't have before that. Um, yeah. And so I think that, you know, had I not gone on my mission, I don't think I'd be as firm and all in and steadfast in my faith. I think I'd mm-hmm. much more to 
vacillate uh, when something came out that I disagreed with or some change happened that I thought was hard. I, w- I would have had a much harder time staying faithful. And that two years really, I think, transformed me into a disciple of Christ mm-hmm. uh, who was willing to follow him uh, and his servants, the prophets, even when it was hard, even when it was contrary to what I had, you know, I'd originally thought. I was became teachable, humble, and a, and a disciple of Christ. So that was really everything. Really changed my life for the better in so yeah. many ways. What What would you uh, say to someone who is also maybe having having a, a little bit of trouble with uh, the proclamation on the family or uh, gay marriage and and vis a vis the church? I I would. I mean, I I know a lot of people that that are that still are. I I can relate to them a lot. I would say we have prophets and apostles, and that's amazing. Like we have mm-hmm. servants of God who are called of God to teach us truth, to warn us of things that Satan you know, is is doing to to lead us astray. And I would say to trust them um, and to to try to put aside not no you don't have to believe everything they say, but try to live those principles in your life. Uh, serve, live the gospel, and you, I think you you'll see that those things grow in you, uh, like the you know the seed in Alma's uh, in Alma thirty two. They grow into a tree of life that uh, they become sweet and delicious, and bring you eternal joy. Uh, and so I, I think hold on, don't give up, uh, trust in the prophets and the servants of God, um, and you know trust trust that they are they are saying what God wants wants them to be saying. Uh, and be, you know, believe and trust trust that they're they're teaching the things God wants us to know. Yeah, that is really good. Um, so important to have a testimony of the prophet and and uh, the living apostles, and to have that uh, just steadfastness to to follow them and just trust in God and trust in in His prophet. Um, so important. Thanks for sharing that. So I didn't prep you for this, but would you mind sharing your testimony in Russian? Yes, I can, of course. Ну я знаю, что Бог жив, и что Иисус он Христос. Я знаю, что он искупил для нас. Я знаю, что он умер на кресте, что он воскрес на третий день, что он стал из мертвых, и что благодаря ему и его жертва мы тоже можем стать перед Богом. И мы можем тоже получить благословение. Мы можем жить в вечности с Богом и со семьей. Я знаю, что это действительно план Бога. Это план счастья. Это план благословения. План радости. Что Он нас любит. И что если у нас будет вера в Нему, а тогда мы всегда будем получить благословение. И будем... Amen. I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you, you could have just been uh, reading straight from the Book of Mormon. I wouldn't have known, I guess. So. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I was talking about yeah, a little bit about Easter and the resurrection and Christ rising from the dead and how you know God's plan yeah. is a plan of happiness and he loves us and yeah. uh, that we, we can have eternal happiness if we follow him. Uh, that's awesome. Wow. I, I I love languages. Uh, they fascinate me, and I, um, you know, I speak French. I served in in France, and so I, I love when I can pick up a little bit. But boy, there is very very little I could I could pick up in Russian. So that's a that's a very unique language. 
It's a testimony to the gift of tongues, how missionaries can go out for uh, 18 months to two years and come back speaking uh, more or less fluently these languages. And even after 10 years, 10 years, right? Yeah, Since no, you've been 2012. Home. So yeah, 10, yeah, almost 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, June will be, or Ju- July will be 10 years. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I've got a couple couple questions left. Um, so if you were uh, sitting down with a young man or a young woman who is about to go on a mission, what, what advice would you give them? I think you, I mean, this is, I think what Gordon B. Hinckley's father told him, you know, forget yourself and, and serve mm-hmm. the Lord. And that's, that can be hard to do. Uh, there's a lot that can get in the way. I think, you know, the things at home can be distracting. The uh, rejection can be discouraging. I think what we need to do is put those things aside as best we can and mm-hmm. wake up every day uh, asking God to be an instrument in his hand and to bless people. Um, yeah. and that, that's to me, the secret of my mission of why it was so transformative for me was I was able to let go of those things that were, I think, holding me back before and to just go and serve mm-hmm. God, uh, every day. That. Um, so th- that's what I would say first and foremost. And then I think the second thing I would say is, uh, love for the people you're teaching is a gift from God. Charity is a spiritual gift mm-hmm. and God will give that to you, uh, if you seek it. And, you know, the love that I felt for some people that I, that I taught on my mission was incredible. Um, the people I taught, even people that rejected me, um, there was one experience I, I'll never forget early in my mission where um, we knocked on someone's door and he just said, no, not interested. And then he uh, yelled at us about, you know, his wife had died and he was really bitter about God. Mm-hmm. And I felt really strongly constrained to just go back and knock on his door again and bear a testimony of the resurrection and of Jesus Christ. And I felt such incredible love for him. He didn't let us in. You know, he was taken aback a little bit. He even gave us his number, but then he never answered after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it didn't matter. It didn't matter yeah. that he didn't didn't learn f- further. But the, the the spirit, even though he was angry and rejecting us, the spirit told, taught me that he was a child of God. That God loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a lot of experiences like that where I felt great love for people um, that I taught, and that's a gift from the spirit. And so I think seek that gift. Um, to love the people you're serving with and the people you're serving. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, last question. If there was one thing that you'd want your posterity to know about your missionary service, what would it be? I would want them to know that I was, I, I served the Lord Jesus Christ for my mission and I was there as his representative. Um, I felt his power in my life and I knew that he he had me there. He cared if I served he cared about the people I taught. He cared about the experiences I had. Um, and he and he cares about them too. You know, he is mindful of them. And he cares so much about their lives. And if they serve and what they do with their life, um, he loves them and cares deeply about them. Um, and I got learned that so powerfully from my mission. That is just wonderful. I love that so much. Well, this has been fascinating. Uh, my heart goes out to our, our Russian brothers and sisters right now. Yeah, um, just you know, thank you so much for sharing your mission experience uh, with us today, Daniel Ortner. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's really a pleasure. Well, a very big thank you to my new friend Daniel Ortner. Daniel just reached out and said that he'd like to share his missionary experience. And I'm so glad that he did because he has such an amazing story to share, and I was so glad to hear about his mission. Well, in today's Missionary Minute, Daniel used a word to describe his mission, uh, and he said that it was transformative. That is the exact same word that I have used in describing my mission. 
If I could have known what my mission would have done for me, I would have never even second-guessed it. At the time, I felt like I was supposed to go, but I had absolutely no idea how significant that decision would be for me in my life. I've said many times, almost every good thing that has happened to me in my adult life can be traced back to that decision for me to serve a mission. I won't go into detail because... (laughs) Then this missionary minute will turn into a missionary hour. But honestly, it was transformative for my life. And that is why I am so I am so passionate about missions. And I feel like every young man and every young woman would be blessed by serving and would bless others by their service. I was very happy when President Nelson said in the April General Conference, uh, and I quote, I reaffirm strongly that the Lord has asked every worthy, able young man to prepare for and serve a mission. He went on to say that it is a priesthood responsibility and that the youth have been reserved for this time. And then he added, For you young and able sisters, a mission is a powerful but optional opportunity. End quote. I just say amen. I love missions. It's why I started this podcast and... I see these missionaries that are coming now to Port Angeles. Uh, we just had a sister uh, missionary who is heading home tomorrow. We had the sisters over for dinner tonight. These are women who are going to go out and change the world. Missions are transformative. There is uh, something so powerful. As, as President Nelson said, it's a powerful opportunity for young women. And the Lord has asked all young men to serve. Well, that's about it for today's show. If you like the show, please subscribe so that you'll be notified when new episodes come out. And we would so appreciate it if you could rate and review this podcast in Apple Podcasts or share it with a friend, share it on your social media. We are so thankful for everyone who's doing that. That's how word gets around about the show. And when uh, people are looking for for good uh, content to be listening to and and filling their lives with, uh, we're so happy when they think of us and, and share our podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today, and until next time, wax strong in the gospel, my friends.